You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Together and Happy New Year. If no one's told you, Happy New Year from me and from the Vineyard. Um, praying this year will be a blessing to you and to our entire church family. I want to take a moment, welcome everyone on the live stream as well. We're thankful you're tuning in with us wherever you're at this morning. If we've never had a chance to meet before, my name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard, and I think this is going to be a special year together. I think God has great plans for our church. I know He has great plans for you, and just a a reminder, if you're ever wondering what's happening at the Vineyard or how you can connect and get plugged in, I want to remind you about the weekly, votrweekly.org. If you go to that website, uh, you'll find all kinds of information about upcoming events, things you can register for, key announcements. We have, uh, you know, the order of our service. My sermon notes are there and all kinds of information to help you feel like you can belong and explore uh, life at the Vineyard. And today I have some really big news, some exciting announcements to share. For the last few months, I've kind of been teasing that we have some big announcements coming in 2024, and uh, now is the time. All the research has been done, all the discernment has taken place, the big and key decisions have been made, and now is the time to share. Some of you don't know the story, I'll bring you up to speed. Others have forgotten the story, but just like it says in the Old Testament, it's good to retell and remember the story of God in our midst. About four and a half years ago, Fresenius Kidney Center gave our leadership team a tour of their 7,200 square foot building, which is adjacent to our property right out those doors and across the green space located at 1213 Riverside Avenue. And at the end of the tour, their real estate agent looked at us and she said, would the vineyard be interested in purchasing this building to expand your campus. And Rick Olmsted was the lead pastor at the time. I was kind of under his wing. He was training me to be his successor. And graciously, he said, you know, I'm getting ready to retire. This is a decision that's going to impact Jeff's leadership a lot more than mine, so you should ask him. And everybody turned their eyes. This was like the first big decision that I had to make. (laughs) Everyone's eyes turned and looked at me. And in a moment that I can only describe as a gift of faith from the Holy Spirit, I looked the real estate agent in the eye and I said, we're not interested in buying your building, but we would love for you to donate it to us. And if you do, we'll use it to serve the poor in our community. And everybody started laughing in the room. Way, way more than that. There's like, who's this young kid asking for a million dollar donation the first time we ask him to open his mouth, right? And a couple weeks later, like, I remember asking the church, pray with me. We're going to pray for this building. And I got a similar response. There were chuckles here and there spattered around the room. And I even kind of looked back and laugh at myself. But in the moment, I doubled down and I said, no, seriously, we want you to donate the building. And if you do, we'll renovate it and we'll use it to serve the poor in our community. And as the time went on, they didn't donate it in the moment. As time went on, um, we began to pray. 
Almost every Sunday after church, I got my kids in the car, we drove past that building, and we prayed that the Lord would donate that space to our church so that we could use it to serve the under-resourced in our community. And we prayed for months, and many of you started to join us in those prayers. I know this because you would text me, Jeff, are there any updates? I'm continuing to pray with you. I know many of you walked the parking lot and asked God with me that the Lord would get and make a way for that building to be donated. Well, as time went on, they came back to me and they said, okay, okay, okay. How about we sell it to you for $800,000? Which would have been a really good deal, by the way. That's like a third off. And I said, no, but if you'll donate it, we'll use it to serve the poor in our community. (laughs) They didn't budge. They didn't budge. Six months happened, or six more months took place, and then, and then COVID hit. And, you know, everybody kind of lost their mind a little bit during COVID. And so uh, everyone was a little bit nervous. And, and about six months into COVID, they came to me and they said, okay, Jeff, here's like not 800, how about $500,000? This is like half off, by the way. This is a screaming deal. This is something maybe we should have called a board of directors meeting for or something, but I just kindly said, no, like, I don't want to do a building campaign in the middle of COVID. I know we're going to have to replace the roof. I know we're going to have to replace the walls. I know there's a lot of work to be done. But if you'll donate the building, we'll renovate it and we'll use it to serve the poor in our community. Well, Easter 2021, about six months after that last conversation, wouldn't you know it, they called me up and they said, let's meet at such and such title company we're ready to donate the building to you, and and we'll cover all of the property expenses, we'll cover the insurance for all the prorated months that that you're going to incur, we'll bring a check to you, and the keys to the building. And so about a week before Easter, I signed the deed, got the keys, and got a check to help cover the expenses for the first year of ownership, and looking back, I can just confidently tell you that this was a miracle, that a for-profit medical company doesn't look at a small church in their area and say, you know what, $1.2 million asset, why don't you guys have it? Why don't you guys have it? We'll just donate the space to you. It was a miracle, and it was God's gift to our church. And after the building was donated, some of you know, I started looking at every possible scenario and every possible outcome on how we could use that space in our community. There were all kinds of roads that I went down. And on my best days, I would tell you it was part of our discernment process and due diligence. But truthfully, on our worst days, it felt like nothing but dead ends, right? And I remember crying out to God, God, you donated this building to us. What do you want us to do with it? Why does everything I try to do end up in a dead end? What are you actually expecting us to do in this space? And about six months ago, I was praying to God about the building, and the Lord reminded me. He said, Jeff, what was the first thing that you said when you asked for this building? Wasn't it, if you donate the building, we'll fix it up and we'll use it to serve the poor and under-resourced in our community? Isn't that the first thing that you said? That we, as the vineyard, 
would remember our history, our long line of caring for the city with compassion and care, that we would renovate the space and steward it and own it and use the space to share the gospel and advance the kingdom of God in our area. You know, the Vineyard Church has always been about caring for the poor and leading the way with compassionate ministry. And I feel like the Lord was saying, will you do it again in a new season, in a new way, in a new building? For the last few years, we've done a series every January called Love Foco. The foundational verse for Love Foco has been Jeremiah 29, 7, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. And I can stand before you today and everyone tuning in online and confidently tell you that God is asking us to lead the way in praying and blessing and working for the peace and prosperity of our entire area. And as we do this, and as we steward the building he got donated to us in the first place, we'll be joining God's mission, transforming all things. So from this day forward, our old donated building, the old kidney dialysis center, the old kidney center, or the building at 1213, or you know that one over there, or whatever name you called it in the last few years, it doesn't have to be known by the old kidney center anymore, because what started as a sermon series three years ago and has continued on is now being turned into a building at the donated space the future of 1213 will be known as the Love Foco Resource Center. The Love Foco building. Boy, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear you clap at that one. It's kind of sweating that one out a little bit, actually. In one statement, here's what you can expect. The Love Foco Resource Center will serve up to 1,500 families a month through resourcing the physical needs, evangelism, and discipleship. 1,500 families a month will be impacted through the Love Foco Resource Center, the love of our Vineyard Church, and most importantly, the love of Jesus Christ. Next week and every week in January, I'm going to share a little bit more of the story and how this is going to play out. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we're going to reach 1,500 families a month. The types of resources that you can expect uh, will be present in that space. But this week, I felt like it was important to remind our church that this all began with a miracle. It all began with God moving on our behalf. And truthfully, we need to remember this because it's going to require a whole bunch more miracles on the way. Before there's a Love Foco Resource Center, there will need to be a Love Foco giving campaign. But remembering the miracle of how it all started is a story that we need to tell over and over and over again. The gracious hand of the Lord is upon us, Vineyard. He is moving before us. He's creating a way for us to impact and serve and influence our area with the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I share all of this information, it uh, dawns on me now would be a really important time to invite you to an upcoming event at our church called Vision Night. I bet you can imagine at least part of what we're going to talk about at Vision Night. Vision Night is a night dedicated 
to the future key objectives and kind of the vision of our church in the upcoming year. Childcare is available. We would just ask that you give us a heads up before you come so we can have the right amount of workers in that space. And all the details can be found at votrweekly.org. If you can make it to Vision Night this year, I just want to give a personal request. I would ask that you would come. That somehow, someway, you would circle that date on your calendar and you would come to Vision Night because it's probably the most important night that we've ever had as a church. We'll be sharing a few different key objectives, but this is kind of a big rock. And we're going to be talking a lot about the Love Foco Resource Center. So that's where we're headed. 1,500 families a month by the grace of God. It started with a miracle. Pray with me for many more miracles along the way. And pray that God would be glorified as we serve him and serve our city together. Let's pray together, uh, asking God's blessing on this building and also on our message because I do intend to preach this morning from God's word. Pray with me. God, thank you for a donated building. Thank you for a million plus asset that you just dropped into our laps. And I look back over the last couple of years, God, and I thank you for the process. It did feel like a few dead ends here and there, but those no's have sharpened our yes. They've given clarity to our direction ahead. And we ask your blessing on it. We ask for your favor in the city. We ask for your blessing as a church. We ask that your gracious hand would continue to be upon us as we look to serve our city and the greater surrounding area. May your name be made famous through the Love Foco Resource Center. And now we turn our eyes and our hearts to your word. Would you speak to us this morning through your living word? And would you awaken our hearts to your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff happening at the Vineyard. Uh, 1,500 families a month is a lot. I'm so excited to be sharing more details about how that's going to happen in the coming weeks. Well, as always, we still want to spend um, time in God's Word this morning and, and gather together for a biblical message. We want to hear from God this morning. And we normally start every January with a series called Love Foco, but we thought since we have a whole building dedicated to that now, we could pivot a little bit this January. And so this January, we're spending all month long in a series called Unsung Heroes. Unsung Heroes. Heroes. We're starting the year off, and we're going to look at four people, one person each week, and, and looking at the scriptures around these folks who, who only show up maybe one time in all of the Bible, and some of them only show up for two or three verses, and then you never hear from them again. But they all had a profound impact on the people of God and the movement of the Spirit and the advancement and growth of God's kingdom. It's easy, I think, to be enthralled with the powerful personalities of the Bible. But I think most of us, most of the time, we would all resonate with the fact that throughout our lives, we often feel overlooked. We often feel underappreciated. And the Bible is filled with unsung heroes, and they're inspiring to our lives with God. They can teach us a, a whole bunch of different things about what life with God can look like this side of heaven. You know, not everything that we do in this life is earth-shattering. Not everything we do makes the headlines. 
Not everything we do gets the accolades that we think we deserve or or even gets noticed at all. In fact, oftentimes we're overlooked, we're underappreciated for years. And it doesn't matter the faithful service or the dedication or the excellence, right? It can oftentimes go unnoticed at work or in our homes, in our relationships, at school, or in the community at large. I can tell you from firsthand experience, this happens to me every single time one of my kids comes home and quotes a teacher or one of their friend's parents or something that they heard on TV that I have been saying for years. (laughs) And it's like they're hearing it for the first time and it's like this golden revelation, right? Every single time, David Garcia, who is a member at our church, I love and Deeply respect this young man of God. He serves on Sundays, but most of the time you can find him serving with our teenagers on Wednesday nights with a group of youth leaders that we have. I mean, the dude is a man of God. And I'm so thankful for all of our youth leaders. I'm incredibly thankful for him. But it's funny because a few weeks ago, my son came home and he's like, Dad, David said this. And David said, David can do this. And David can do that. And I'm like, bro, I've been telling you this for years. But when David says it, it's magical. (laughs) But we are eternally grateful for our youth leaders, aren't we? Because it takes a community. And you know what? It makes parents feel like unsung heroes, but it does point us to the reality that it takes a community of people to raise our children in a godly way. I'm so thankful for David And I did ask him if I could bring that up this morning, and he gave me the go-ahead. So during this series, like I said, we're going to look at four people from the Bible, four unsung heroes. And my hope and my prayer for you is that together we'll be encouraged, that we'll be inspired to live lives that actually matter, no matter the recognition that we might receive, to live a life that impacts our city, to advance the kingdom all around us, even if we're overlooked, even when we're underappreciated because we know that God always sees us. We know that God always deeply knows our hearts. And we know that God is always glorified through every small act of obedience. Today's scripture is from the Old Testament, the book of 2 Kings, which is kind of a double whammy when it comes to unsung heroes because It's an unsung part of the Bible, and it's an unsung person of the Bible. And today's hero is my guess, maybe the over-under number is about 5% of us have heard of this woman. Her name is Huldah. Huldah is our unsung hero. Most of us probably didn't even know there was a Huldah in the Bible, and I don't really blame you. She sounds more like a German waitress passing out steins like at the (laughs) Oktoberfest or something, right? Huldah. She's probably the most unsung hero we're going to talk about all month, but maybe the most powerful. And before I read our scripture, I want to give you a little context so that you know kind of the scene and the, and the scenario of what we're about to read. Hulda is a fascinating woman because you know, ancient history wasn't very kind to women. And in the Old Testament, there weren't a lot of women named, and there weren't a lot of uh, Old Testament prophets named, but she's one of both. She's named And she's an Old Testament female prophet and a powerful one at that. During her life, a man by the name of Josiah was king and Hilkiah was the high priest. And almost everyone in the whole nation had forgotten about God. Almost everyone had walked away. 
from their relationship with God. They had forgotten about his plans and purposes and the covenant relationship that he had made with his people. Almost everyone walked away from God. And because of the generation that many of the children were growing up in, many of the children didn't even have a relationship with God to walk away from. They just had no commitment to God whatsoever. The worship was all over the place. They were even worshiping pagan gods and idols inside the temple that was dedicated to the Lord. The whole country was in disarray. And you know, you might find yourself in a similar place this morning. As you look back over the last year or the previous years collectively, and you look at your life with God, you might realize, I've really been wandering. I've been wandering from God. And this morning, maybe you're here because it's time to recommit your life to Jesus. Or perhaps you're here because you're like some of the other folks in this story. You've never made a first-time commitment to Jesus. You've never committed your life to God in the first place. And every Sunday we gather at the vineyard, there are people recommitting their lives to the Lord and committing their lives to the Lord for the very first time. And if that's you, I just want to let you know on the front end that during our ministry time, we're going to give you a chance to make those decisions today. A recommitment to the Lord or a first-time commitment. Because those are the most important decisions that you'll ever make in your life. But if you think, again, back to this context, you have to remember the people of God, they were in a really tough spot. Almost everyone had walked away. Almost everyone had forgotten about his presence and his power and his protection. And because of that, they were trading real worship for lesser substitutes. And they were beginning to experience the consequences of their actions. You know, when you're really, really far from God and you're walking in the opposite direction of his love, you can begin to experience hardship. And in this passage, you're going to hear some words that might be a little alarming, like anger or God's anger. But I don't want you to be alarmed about that, because as you read the scripture and as you read the scriptures as a whole, you realize pretty quickly that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Right before we're introduced to Huldah, here's kind of what happened. Josiah the king, he orders everyone to restore the temple, but it wasn't really to discover their life with God. It was more about a presentation in terms of the nation. But in the process of restoring the temple, they discover the book of God's law. They discover the scriptures. They discover his promises, and they read once again about how God has interacted with them before and how he promised to interact with them again. They were reawakened to their covenant or their special relationship with God. And Josiah, when he, when he reads the law and he discovers the law, he realizes, we haven't been doing any of this stuff. We haven't been following God. We've been walking away. We've been going in the complete opposite direction. And so Josiah is compelled to act fast. And so he called for someone that he trusted. He called for the most powerful and wise person he knew, the female prophet of Huldah. And he asked her what they should do. That's where you pick up our passage for this morning in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Huldah is speaking back to Josiah and his servants. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But go. 
But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on the city. And so they took her message back to the king. Now, if you haven't read a lot about the Old Testament, this can sound like a lot. Anger and disaster aren't like very fun words for the first Sunday in January to kick off the year together, right? But you have to remember, we're talking about generational abandonment. We're talking about trading true worship for idolatry inside the very temple. It would be like if we gathered on a Sunday and started worshiping other gods in this very space that's been dedicated to Jesus. But it's interesting, isn't it? As you read the passage and as you read Scripture as a whole, the despair and the weeping and the repentance from Josiah led to mercy, reminding us again of God's character, reminding us again of other Scriptures that teach us that mercy triumphs over judgment. And here's what I love about Huldah. Immediately after her prophecy, Josiah would call for dramatic changes in Israel. He immediately began tearing down the idols. He fixed the worship. People started worshiping and living for God again. And everything returned to the way it was always supposed to be. And Huldah, she was the one whose voice led this nationwide revival. It was Huldah's declarative statements that spurred Josiah on to real religious reform. They fasted, they prayed, they worshiped, they returned to their special holidays like Passover, and much of it had to do with one singular voice, one faithful servant, an unsung hero that you never hear about again in Scripture. And her name was Huldah. Huldah is truly an amazing woman of the Bible. And here are a few important things that we're going to quickly run through as I wrap up together. Things that we can learn from the life of Huldah and apply to our own lives in 2024. For one, Huldah knew the voice of God. Huldah knew the voice of God. You know, oftentimes unsung heroes... They're practicing unsung disciplines with no one watching them for years and years and years. And Huldah would have been no different. In order to speak on behalf of God, you have to know his voice. She had to know his character. She had to have a close relationship with God, one that wasn't tainted by the world. And remember, she's living in an era where almost everyone's walking away, and she's being pulled in every complete direction from the love and presence of God. Not only that, she's a woman. She's living in an era where their, their voice is mostly pushed down, not celebrated and empowered. Yet she remained faithful. She remained close. And she knew the Lord's voice. Right now as a church, we're just beginning our spiritual disciplines to start the new year together called Holy Hustle. And I want to let you know it's not too late to join Holy Hustle. 
All the information is in my sermon notes. It's found at votrweekly.org. And every January, as a church, we encourage people to join an accountability group where we read all four Gospels in one month. That's about two or three chapters of the Gospels a day. And we also pick out a book, and we encourage everyone to read that book. This year's book is called Miracle Work, and I promise that it will provoke you to dream about supernatural things in your life. Holy Hustle is a great way to start the year with God. In addition to Holy Hustle, I put a handful of apps that I really love and trust in my sermon notes. Download one of them. Download all of them. They will help you grow in your consistency as you follow God. And here's the reality. I know some of you have been following God for a really long time, and you have like a tried and true Bible reading plan, and you've been doing it for years, and that's awesome. But most of us need help. Most of us forget Most of us have a hard time engaging in the word of God every day, even though we know it's kind of like good for our heart and good for our minds and good for our life. And these apps will encourage consistency and they'll encourage uh, you to find yourself in the place of prayer and in God's word, allowing you to get familiar with his voice. So I wanna encourage you, sign up for Holy Hustle. Download an app, download all three of them. I have all three on my phone. And be like Holda, do whatever it takes to know the voice of God this year. But it's not just knowing God's voice that set Holda apart. Holda had boldness. Holda had boldness. Before 2 Kings, you never hear of Holda. And you never read about her again. She's got one shot. She's got one chance to speak into the life of the king and speak into the life of the nation. And when it was her turn, she did not shrink back. But with boldness and confidence, she spoke the very words of God. And because of it, it changed a nation. In a little bit, we're going to have a time of reflection and then ministry time like we have every Sunday. And if you find yourself this morning in need of confidence and in need of boldness, then I'm going to invite you to receive prayer this morning. Because I think God wants to give you a breakthrough of sorts when it comes to uh, confidence, when it comes to boldness. Being able to speak up on behalf of the Lord, that could be part of your gift that he has for you this year. Holda had boldness. I know I want more and more boldness. And finally, this is pretty important as you study her life and apply it to your own, that Holda stayed tender and loving. Holda stayed tender and loving. If I'm Holda, listen, it's pretty easy to get critical and judgmental of what's happening in the world around you. I mean, think about it. Everyone in her nation had walked away from God. They were all doing horrible things. And then they discovered the scriptures after years of collecting dust, and all of a sudden, they wanted to know what God had to say. The whole time, Hulda is off on her own, staying close to God, staying committed to his words, staying committed to the place of prayer. I mean, Josiah freaked out, rushed to the prophet that he trusted most, Hulda at the time, and this was the time Hulda could have been like, Josiah, I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to tell you to read your Bible. I've been trying to tell you to go to the temple. I've been trying to tell you to gather with other believers. I've been trying to tell you to stay connected. But she didn't do that. She stayed tender. She stayed loving. She recognized the humble heart and the repentant heart of Josiah. And she approached him with boldness. Yes, the first part of her message probably hit hard. But the second part of her message was tender and loving and responsive to what was happening in Josiah's heart. She didn't allow a critical spirit 
to influence how she heard from God or how she spoke for God. She was able to recognize Josiah's humble and repentant heart and respond with loving kindness. It's easy for Christians, particularly Christians who've been following God for a really long time, to look down on people who are returning to God who never knew him in the first place. But that is not who we are. It's not who we are as a church. It's not who we want to be. We want to be like Huldah. We want to know the voice of God. We want to speak with confidence and boldness, but we also want to recognize what's happening in the lives of all the people around us and approach with humility and tenderness and loving kindness to everyone that God places in our path. May you be a person this year, and may we continue to be a church who invites others into a relationship with Jesus or recommit their life to Jesus without judgment and with no critical spirit whatsoever. As you sit here this morning and as we prepare to move into our time of reflection and ministry, I want you to think about the life of Hulda. Think about the life of Hulda and think about your own life and the kind of life that you want to have with God. Some of us need to come back to God. We've drifted. We've drifted, and for whatever reason, we've forgotten about his promises. We've forgotten about his protection and presence, and we've begun to trade those things for lesser replacements. It's by no accident that you're here this morning. God is inviting you back into a relationship with him today with no judgment, but with open arms and love. For others, you've never made a personal decision to follow Christ. You never knew that making a personal decision for your own life was important. And it took me a long time for me to make a personal decision to follow Christ, but I'll still remember when I did make that decision because it started a lifelong journey of freedom and healing. And for some, this could be your step today. But I imagine for many of us, we simply need to embrace this idea of the unsung life of Hulda. We need to apply it to our own lives. And we need to ask, what do I need in order to become a person like Hulda? Again, think about the consequences of her life. They're incredible. She led a nationwide revival. This morning and this year, how can you position your heart to know the voice of God, to speak with confidence and boldness, and also to maintain a tenderness and love towards others? No matter how you need to respond this morning, whether that's recommitment, first-time commitment, or repositioning your heart, I trust that God will invite you deeper, and I trust that he will give you everything that he needs to start the journey with him today. Let's pray.